whenever you're choking, we have something better for you to do. It's time to get extreme. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing. It is uh, the first weekend in November. Daylight savings time ended. Came to fuck with me this morning. <laughs> My kids were all out of whack. Up at fucking five o'clock. So five o'clock. They're all kinds of fucked up. They were ready for they were ready for bed at six o'clock. Like I'm tired. <laughs> Halloween's fucking over. That fucking monkey shit. Stupidest fucking holiday ever. Stupidest fucking holiday. Trick or treat? Oh, fuck off. I'm in a fucking pissy mood today. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's coming to leave. I'm setting the ambiance (laughs) this evening. Since it is just you and I, I figured let's be a little bit more fucked up. (laughs) So sexy it hurts. Wow. Did you speed that up? (laughs) No, this is the actual version. Oh, wow. What, does it sound like shit? No, it sounds fine. It's just... Well, it sounds like shit normally. Right. I don't know. You, know. you do know this song goes down I know, in, in I'm history. disco dancing. What? <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to shut up and enjoy this. On the catwalk, yeah, I do my little turn on the catwalk, yeah. This is called the interlude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You never know what you're going to get from front row material each and every week. You literally don't. So sexy for my car. So sexy by far. <laughs> Too sexy for my hat. What you think about that? I'd have enough of this. Yeah, on the catwalk. On the catwalk, yeah. This is Front Row Material with ECW legends Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. Here is your host, Mike Freeland. You know, my son, my, my son had a glow stick today from a birthday party we went to. Mm-hmm. It's one of those neon green ones. Right. I wonder if you could put this in your mouth and blow. Let me rephrase that. I wonder if you could break it open. Suck the juice out of it. Oh. And blow glow-in-the-dark mist. Oh, that's so toxic. How fucking cool would that be, though? That would be sick. Blow glow-in-the-dark mist? Like, okay, tell me what situation How sick would, would that be? Like, would justify you coming up to somebody and acting like Kabuki? Well, I, I do do the mist occasionally, ever since I started teaming with the jury. Don't be a fucking wise ass. No, but I mean in your daily life. No, obviously, you schmuck. I wouldn't do it in fucking real life. Hey, I can turn my computer on. Hold on. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> all right, fine. We're talking about, okay, during a performance. Okay. All right. I'm with you now. Say like NYWC. They have the Psycho Circus in February. Okay. 
right? Right. Big fight. Everything's going on. The heels are taken over. The one heel standing tall. The lights go out. But before the lights come back on, the glow-in-the-dark poisonous mist is blown into the face of the heel. So he kind of lights up in the dark. Yeah. Do you think that'd be a cool visual? I think if it was done right, it sure, it could be. Well, I'm not going to do it shitty. The the performer who's got it in their mouth. Like, I don't know what's, is that safe for you to do that? Is that supposed to be put in your mouth? You can do it once. You're unbelievable. You're unbelievable. Look that up. Look up of drinking. But that's what I'm thinking. Like that's doesn't that sound doesn't that sound like a cool visual? It does. It does. If it was completely dark and all of a sudden the heel is in the ring and boom, all of a sudden they light up because they got this fucking glow jizz on their face. Yes. Yeah. And then when the lights come on, are you there? Yeah, with it with like dripping out of my mouth. Like Gene Simmons okay. with the blood. Okay. And then do you start brawling or Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well. I'm going for I'm going strictly visual here, Freeland. Okay, I'm with you. I really haven't put thought into this. It just kind of just popped in my head. I'm, we're giving horrible spoilers to a potentially big show in an, in an angle <laughs> right now. If I see this tomorrow night on TV, <laughs> there's going to be a fucking problem. Oh, God. I thought you were going to do something with fire or something. Like, bring back the fire. I want to see somebody you light something on fire. Eh, you got to be careful with that. Well, it wasn't like you guys were all that careful with it back in the day. This was this was the '90s, and the you know you, you get away a little bit more back then. I went to WrestleMania in Chicago when they had the uh, Cactus Jack versus Edge in a hardcore match, and Lita and um, right, she took lighter fluid and poured it all over the table, and then Cactus went through it. I guess the thing that surprises me is that, like, I don't know if I'd necessarily agree to that. Oof. I, he he did get burned too. For that paycheck? Well, okay, then what are we talking the paycheck is? Realistically, ballpark. Are we talking, is he getting $50,000 for that match? I was thinking more like five. <laughs> uh, not you. No. Realistically. Oh. Realistically. I mean, I know you've talked to people before. Realistically, what do you think somebody would get for something like that? That, that type of a stunt? I mean, Hogan got payoffs for WrestleManias. I don't think they get paid extra. No, but I mean, just appearing on the show. Whatever the payday was. 500000 300000 I don't think that high. It's a lot of money. I don't know if I'd go through a burning table, though. Eh. Just one man's opinion. But anyway. All right, so I have a question here. And this may be completely, well, it is, unrelated. And it might even be considered going too far. So there may be a line drawn in the sand. You know the, the, the pay-per-view, the night the line was crossed? Well, here's the question that just crossed the line. Does this have anything to do with being too sexy for your shirt? Kind of. It kind of does. Do you ever throw on a little music like, you know, kids are in bed, you're ready to roll, you know, kind of... Hey, honey. Tapping into your your wrestling days when you would come through the entrance. A little Isaac Hayes? Yeah. Well, you're coming through the gorilla position, okay? With the wife? Yeah, the wife's already in the bed. You're coming through the gorilla position, right? Through the... Yes. So basically what you're saying is... My wife's doing the job because I'm getting the big entrance. <laughs> oh, God. Is that what you're saying? She's, she's, she's really putting you star. over. She's making you look like the champion. Yes. <laughs> she, got the, she got the introduced during commercial. Ladies and gentlemen, already in the ring. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Oh, God. Hit a little music and... 
strut in there with your stuff and hey the rest my friend will you stop if i had to in any way make myself look sexy and attractive by dancing my way to the bedroom yes turn out the lights the party's over <laughs> it would be over before it started oh wow Wow. I get laughed out of the bedroom, but not for the obvious reason. So you're saying your be- your your bedroom performance with the lights on is just as bad as uh, Crown Jewel? Yeah, but it, it didn't take me three days to get home. <laughs> wow, I had no quote unquote mechanical problems. <laughs> that that whole thing is just riddled with just oh, and I'm not even talking about the matches. I am just talking about all of the stuff that went on around it. Like, did you hear about everything that happened? How the the crown prince, I guess, or whatever he is, was upset? And the money issues and everything else? Did you hear about all that? Oh, I know. I was about to text Zack Ryder and tell him, if they ask you to go to the embassy with a saw, <laughs> start running. And you know the really fucked up part about it? What's that? It's left. It's left. Back it about. He did. He completely left. I'll see you guys later. Right, I'm out of here. Now, I don't know if he knew of any issues going on. Right. Any potential problems leaving the airport. Well, okay, so from what I heard, and and I don't know how much of this is actual fact or just the scuttlebutt, okay? But a lot of people are saying, or it's being reported, that the pay-per-view feed got cut before the show actually ended in Saudi Arabia. So the the prince or whomever, whatever his name is, um, was upset about that because I guess that was not agreed upon. So that's that's fact number one. And I guess the other thing I'm hearing is maybe the payment to the WWE was not what was contractually agreed upon because of not only said issue one, but just the overall frustration with the presentation of the show. And... (laughs) Good evening. I just blew up my asshole. Are you are you okay? <laughs> well, I've learned I've learned not to hold it it's, in. I would. Have you ever had people or heard people who hold a sneeze in? They're like, <gasps> yeah. Like, I don't know why they. Do I that. do. Why do you do that? I do. Why? Because if I That's sneeze, my safe. arms go numb. If I sneeze, my arms go numb. Okay. What happened? You mean if you if you let it out, your arms go numb? Yeah. The whole the whole. Jerking motion forward makes my arms go numb. So if you hold it in, you, you so keep, I try to keep I brace myself of motion. as if I'm taking a very rough and aggressive tackle in a football game. I brace for impact. I can de- I crush my neck in. I'm all down. I'm like, hey, I'm really short now, and I sneeze. Try to hold it in, but sometimes I don't. And this is all in preparation of just a sneeze. Yes. Wow. Wow. Holy cow. What, so what happens if you get a really bad cold and, like, you're sneezing constantly or you're coughing really bad? I mean, you just got to be – it's a full-body situation. It sucks. Because when it happens, like, once, it's like, okay. But if it happens numerous times, it gets painful. It sounds like it, dude. That's yeah. that's terrible. Sometimes if I cough, if I get, like, a massive coughing fit, right. it's the same type of thing. Wow. Damn. Wow. Well – not to not to jump all over the place, on but you, the catwalk. But yeah, on that the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk. Yeah, <laughs> that that show was was 
was pretty bad. I mean, and, I, and I'm not trying to act like, oh, you know, I've performed before. I've been a booker. I've been – no, I'm not. I'm just saying from a fan's perspective, the buildup to all of that, they make it look so hyped up. And then the actual event itself, you're like, eh. In a way, how big are Vince McMahon's balls? He's in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Where it is not unheard of, unfortunately, for people to wind up with no head. This is true. Or or in pieces. True. And that motherfucker said, turn off the feed, damn it. Yeah, that's not... Jesus Christ. I know, I mean, Khashoggi, I believe, was a journalist for the Washington Post, and he eloquently wrote about his um, issues with the regime over there, and obviously we know what happened there, but... Ugh. I don't think that's a good idea. That's not that's not good business, and that's not good for your overall health. But once again, if Vince is going to die, wouldn't he want it to be in some epic storyline fashion? Oh, I'm sure. Just saying. Just saying. I wonder what happens moving forward. Well, my question is... Who are these guys and girls on the roster are going to actually go? Well, there's already people who don't go because of, of fear of safety, and now this shit show... And then did you hear Khashoggi actually ordered them off the plane? Yes. Oh, my God. It's like not only well, then, yeah, what was going now, on is it, for... Is it fact or is it rumor? Because I don't know exactly what the facts are at this point. I think they're still a little shaky. Right. But I, I believe Correct. it. Get them on the plane. Yeah, get, I do too. Get them down. Get, 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 get off. <laughs> get off the plane. Do, do you think that any version of iced tea and or Snapple were offered in this process? I don't think so. Wow. You think you got home, you get on plane. Ha-ha, false finish, motherfucker. <laughs> false finish. Oh, God. Wow. You board, yeah, you not, board uh, plane one hour. One hour, you board plane. La, la. Oh, sorry, delay. Ha-ha. Home spot. Ha-ha-ha, <laughs> fucker. You care for an ST iced tea, Snapple iced tea, raspberry iced tea, peach iced tea? You tried the knee high? Try the blue, buddy. Try the blue. <laughs> Oh, look! We can make fun of the situation right now. We can make fun of the situation now because the guys and girls are home. Are home? Yes. If they were not home, I wouldn't be saying shit. I agree, one hundred percent. There's a time and a place for everything. Um, Wrestling Inc. and their great writers on there were saying that a lot of people, unnamed sources, obviously, have said they've lost a lot of faith and confidence. In Vince himself. Now we've heard about this, you know, there's been some scuttlebutt about, you know, the potential of should Vince um, acquiesce decision making and power to Triple H at this point. I don't think that's the, I, I don't think that's the point. I I think the point now is Vince left them there while they were still there. Now, granted, I'm sure he does that on every fucking show they do. Sure. He's gotta get back for TV on Friday. He left that that thing. But I when you're in a fucking place like that, I'm waiting for my people. But see, that's the thing, though. I mean, if it's if it's a house show or a pay-per-view in the United States, I understand that. I understand that because you have management that's in position to handle things that need to be handled and you can move on your way. Because there's a lot of agents that work for that company. They're very talented and very smart. I mean, he has hired good people. But when you're in a foreign nation – not only a foreign nation, the part of the world you're in, and under the circumstances that has been going around from a political standpoint, you just need to watch your P's and Q's. And as the leader, I would expect him to make sure that all of his employees 
we're taken care of as well. And then you can leave. But once again, that's one of those deals where everyone has their difference of opinion on things. And, and hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, absolutely. We can armchair quarterback this like, oh, fuck, I would have did this or I would have did that. And that's fine. But I'm, I'm probably guessing probably most of these guys when they had, oh, Vince took Vince finished the show and left. N- nobody gave it a second thought. Mm-hmm. Because that's what he stopped. does. Right. Yeah, so what can you do? Nothing. They're all Nothing home, all. over and done with. I'd never go back. I would never. I, but, but okay, so let's talk about – not to make this a WWE thing, but just because this is kind of the, the big buzz right now before we get into everything that we do. Um, I thought it was really cool to have a woman's match. Talk about how awesome that is. Hey, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It was a remarkable time. A phenomenal event that this even got to happen in the first place. So I guess baby steps. Hopefully they never go back and it's the first and last match. <laughs> I hope to God they come to some mutual terms and say, hey, you know what? Let's just let it go at this point. But we'll see. Only time will tell. Hey, you want to have a show in Iran? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Somebody come out, get heat on the Ayatollah? Ooh, ooh, I don't know. You just got to be. No kidding. <laughs> Jesus. I guess you can't always look at things as money grabs. You can't. You got to look at things from a, a safety and a logical perspective. But yeah. Anyway, it was interesting. Cain Velasquez. Uh, okay. Cool. Tyson Fury. Okay. Cool. I didn't see it. Well, believe it or not. I refuse to pay for the network. Well, you should be getting it for free because you're a wrestling legend. They want to give it to and me I don't for free. why you don't. I still wouldn't use it, but. No, I did. I used to use it. I used to listen to old pay-per-views from the 80s. If you had to give a rating, and be honest with me, are we, are we PG-13? Are we rated R? Are we rated X? We're R with the NC-17 potential. <laughs> oh, God. Is NC-17 still a thing? I don't know. It might be. It has to be. And does NC- I don't think very many movies got that NC-17. Right. I know X was around for a while because I do know that. What's the, what's the difference between X and triple X? What's the difference between X and triple X? Well, triple X is P in the VG. Um, regular X, that's a good question. What, P in the hand? <laughs> Two X's P in the mouth? Wow. Three X's. Two girls, one cup. P in the vag. Oh! See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You t- Wait a minute. You, you talked about two girls in a cup and started going, uh, uh, as if I said something. Yeah, but but now... Oh. You're talking about the fucking cup thing. All I said was about a very natural pee in the hand, pee in the mouth, pee in the veg. No one Why would you go ugh about vag. that? No one pees in a veg. Who pees in a veg? Who does that? Who says, hey, this is going so well, I think I'll just use the restroom. No one does that. I was using an abbreviation. Like you said, pee in the V. Yeah. So I said pee in the hand, not pee as in fucking piss, you fucking nut. Oh, so you're not saying as you're doing it, you just take a whiz in there. Okay, all right. Oh, you're, what the fuck is wrong with no, you? No, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people could have interpreted it as you said pee in the vag. Oh, I get, oh, okay, fuck it, I'm an idiot. Okay, I get what you're saying. P That's is a in pretty the letter fucking P. loose logic. Okay. okay. Penis. Okay, I got you. Got it. <laughs> Jesus I'm, Christ, Freeland. I'm with you. I'm with you now. I'm with you now. All right, let's get back to the difference between X and triple X movie ratings. Okay, so let's go here. The P and the V. 
rating. So we first need to find what X rating means. So it's a classification devised by the Motion Picture Association of America. Uh, in 1968, it was to designate certain films containing excessive violence or explicit sexuality. It was then replaced in 1990 by NC-17, meaning no child under 17 was admitted. So NC-17 is X. Correct. It is the new X. So if we are going by that straight definition, once again, anything of excessive violence or explicit sexuality, any Rob Zombie movie could be considered NC-17 or formerly known as X. Um, gosh, The Hills Have Eyes could have been considered that. Uh, Hostel. Uh, Saw, so... But they don't call any of those movies that, like when they came no, out. No, they're theaters. rated R. They're rated R I wonder, if they ha- I, wonder if, I wonder if they have the edited version that is released. And the NC-17 version is strictly for video. Right. Rated R means restricted. Anyone under 17 requires the accompaniment of a parent or a guardian. So if you're going into a uh, rated R movie and you're under 17, someone has to accompany you. NC-17 means absolutely no one under 17 is admitted, even if you're with uh, Grammy, Grampy, Mom, Dad, anybody. Then again, why would you... Okay, if you're going to go see a movie like that, why would you want to go with your mom and dad? That's just fucking weird all in itself. What if... Well, not necessarily. Okay, so you would... Okay, if there was a movie that had uh, some questionable sexual moments and you're splitting a bucket of popcorn with your parents... Maybe the sexual moments, but, like, maybe the sexual moments would be a little awkward, but what if it's, like, just gratuitous violence? Oh, violence doesn't matter, though. Well, We're all used to that at this point. Rob Zombie's movie's not really overly sexual all the time. No, but They're it's... just fucking creepy. Gory. Yeah. So that could By be way, he is a very you might want to go with your parents. underappreciated director, in my opinion. Rob I Zombie. think he's very good. Yes, he is a very talented person. I, so I think Marilyn Manson is very intelligent from a creative standpoint as well. I'd agree. But anyway. But a lot of people can't accept that because they, they get distracted. They get caught in the weeds of, oh, that person just seems like they're whatever. That's the gimmick. That's the whole point. Yeah, no shit. I mean, that's how they make their money. It's a shtick. It's uh, duh. There was a guy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say where I saw this person, but he was fucking dumb, <laughs> like completely a fucking idiot. Is this in the and wrestling said, business or is this just? I'm not gonna, well, yeah. So <laughs> he's trying to insult me and zing me by being fat. Okay. I said if I was a a worker today. I'd be, I don't know, some some job guy. Wow. And I said to him, Wow. If you were soda, you'd be carbonated piss. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, okay, without releasing who this is, let me ask you this. Does this person have... It's a nobody. It's a nobody. Well, then what... The, if you're a nobody, what are you doing talking to some of the innovators of the 90s who reinvented wrestling? Who the fuck are you? Who are you? Because I was critiquing his match that he asked me to do. And I told him beforehand, I said, if you want me to watch your match, I said, if you want to hear exactly what I think, I'll watch it. Right. But you just want to hear how fucking great it was. No, no, no. I want want to hear everything. I want to hear exactly what you think. I said, okay. So there were some things I, I critiqued. You also run a wrestling school. It's not like you're just talking out of your ass, but whatever. People are people. 
Do you, let me ask you this kind of bringing it back to wrestling. Um, How do you, do you, <laughs> do you find that maybe not everybody, but a lot of people think what they do is amazing? Yes. Yes. It's delusional. Well, that's the thing. It hap- though, but like, it happens in the real I, world too. Oh, I agree. You'll see it at any job. You it work is at, so sure common at, at this point in the world. Here's my thing. It is almost becoming so commonplace that you could be exceptional just by being average. Because the bar the is being set, so, set low. so low. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. That's ridiculous in my opinion. You could be exceptional by being fucking average. I see it all the time. Wow. Have you ever heard the phrase or heard anybody talk about this at companies? Man, I tell you what, when I leave, this place is going to go to shit. It's like, I've heard so many people say that before in companies. And it's like, dude, you're a cog in the wheel. Have you yeah. done a good job? Yeah, absolutely. Will, will there be some difficulties with finding someone to fill your role and to do things maybe the way you did it? Absolutely. Is this place going to fall apart? Not a chance in hell because you're not the first employee. You're not the last employee. But we have this inflated perception of, of what we are in our value that sometimes I feel like we tend to, I don't know, read into our own hype too much. Obviously, you don't have to name names, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure that happens in the wrestling business. Some people literally think backstage or wherever I am the next whatever. And I'm sure a lot of people look at them and think privately. What what kind of cocaine is this guy on? Yeah. But see, in that type of situation, in the business, you have to think that way. If you think you're just... You a, have to think that? Yeah. You should think you that you are the, it, You should think... Well, I don't know about vocalizing it. Right. I mean, maybe a little bit. Okay. I mean, you don't can't walk around being a douchebag. No. But what happens if you're quiet? Are you just going to get looked at or passed over? Depends. So you're saying part of let's, it is... Let's look at this. Let's put it this way. Okay. The ultimate warrior. Right. Everybody, quote unquote, everybody hated him. Okay. He didn't give a fuck. Right. He took his character. He knew what his character was. Okay. He pushed his character. He got his character over and it got over. Right. Whether people liked him or not, they, you know, Vince went with him. Right. He believed he was a star. He acted like he was a star. But would you also say that's kind of a one-off type of situation because he did Shawn have Michaels an amazing did the same look. Thing. Shawn Michaels did the same thing. Right. I mean, but Shawn Michaels was probably a once-in-a-generation guy that comes around. Why? I mean, okay, so those two guys. I mean, are you saying there's a ton of them because – They all think they're the best. I don't know. I just, Randy Savage thought he was I the best. Some of- Roddy Piper thought he was the best. Hogan thought he was the best. Ric Flair thought he was the best. Yeah, but they, all of them were, though. It wasn't like someone thought they right. were, and they were dog shit. Right. Right. But I'm sure, they, I'm sure they started off as dog shit. Do you think they still had that mentality when they were dog shit, that they were the greatest things in sliced bread? That they're going to be, yeah. You have to think that way. You have to think that I'm going to be the biggest thing in the business. You have to think okay. that Okay. So, did you think that way? Of course not. 
that would just be ridiculous. So I got some some interesting things I want to talk to you about tonight, sir. As opposed to already, it's kind of well, yeah. What more, happened to the book club? In depth things. What happened to the book club? The book club's doing well. Book club's good. You haven't you haven't done shit with this book club. You did one thing with Jerry, and that was it. You know what? I have a lot of book club stuff that is soon to be released here under the Front Row Material brand umbrella. You guys are going to be getting so much content. What are you calling it? I'm going to call it right now story time with Mike Freeland. What do you think? Wow, that's great. Are you are you saying that because you think it's a good idea or you think it should be called something different? I'm going back to carbonated piss. Oh, okay. All right. Hardcore reading? Should we call it that? Well, that might have a whole other tone to it. <laughs> What should I call? I, right now, it's really, really not much. Really not much reading involved. It's more like pictures. It's just ridiculous. Well, so what do we call it? Ext- extreme reading? I don't know. That kind of has its own connotation as well. Like, eh. I'm open. I'm open to anything. It's good stuff that we've covered. A lot of really good stuff. Who's we? I'm. You made a big thing about this thing. I read this fucking book, and then you haven't talked to me about it once. You never... Uh, okay, I sent you a text message asking you how far you were in the book. I told you I was done with it. No, you said far enough. I did not know exactly what far enough meant. Well, you only did chapter fucking one. <laughs> and you do you do have it on your Kindle, and you've read the whole thing now. Yes, like a fucking month ago. Then you tell me we've done all kinds of shit. I'm like, I haven't done anything. Sit here fucking waiting for the fucking book that you want to fucking talk about. Sabu book. No, not the Sabu book. The ECW book. So I went out and paid the fucking money, read the fucking book in like three days to get Uh it done. Right. And now we've heard nothing about the book. You read the whole thing in three days? Yes. All right, that's fine. I got all my notes in front of me. If you want to go, we can go go right now. Let's go. Part two. Roll it. And begin. What I did talk about with, with Jerry was the whole concept of... What do you mean what you talked about it with Jerry? Well, Jerry was the where one... Where the fuck was I? I don't even know where you were. I would guess a handicapped stall at this point. I have no idea where you were at. It was just Jerry and I. That was once. Like a month ago. Uh, eh, you've been MIA a couple times. Jerry and I have uh, kind of run the ship here. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No, I think yeah. you had a hernia one week, and then... The last time, the last time I missed, you talked about the fucking book. You remember talking about the book. I remember talking about the book and picking the discussion of the book. And then I remember, and then I remember, and then I remember you and Jerry discussed chapter one of the book. We did. So you were there when we discussed chapter one. No, I wasn't there for that. But I do listen to our well, product. Well, that's my point. You were not okay, there. That was over a fucking month ago. That was over a fucking month ago. Correct. And now where's but, fucking chapter two? Right. Well, what the fuck? Well, under the front row material umbrella, we're going to be releasing all these chapters, but I will Ooh, be more than happy to talk about it with you. With you? The... Maybe? I have no idea what the fuck is going on. No one keeps me filled in the breast of anything. Did you say breasts? I said a breast. Oh, okay. A breast. Okay, gotcha. I know nothing about a fucking book club on the fucking side. Why do you... Nothing about story time on the side. Why do you not like story time? Nope. No, well, one, the name sucks. And two, no one told me about it. Wait a minute. First of all, it doesn't suck. And second of all, okay, you know what? Let's just go into it. You ready? The name sucks. It doesn't. Story time with it Mike doesn't. Freeland. Well, whoopee-doo. I said the extreme reading, hardcore reading. What are you saying? You, oh, that's got some connotation to it. Like what? Like what kind of connotation does hardcore reading have? Like letters to penthouse. 
<laughs> so what we did talk about in chapter one was tri-state wrestling, and it was New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. I thought we were talking about chapter two. Oh, for the love of fuck. Are you literally kidding me right now? I literally was just about to go. You're talking about, you're talking about chapter one. Cool. Okay. Let's go into chapter two. You ready to do it? Uh, yeah. Cool. cool. Did you ever hear of tri-state wrestling, by the way? I was just trying here to educate you. I'm trying to be a leader in this program. I don't need to be educated. No, no. We can disagree on that one. Um, so basically, Joel Goodhart goes out of business, right? So chapter two, Todd Gordon and Bob Artis take over. They meet in they meet in Todd's office, and they decide they want to continue the wrestling company. Carver W. Reed. But they don't want to obviously go under the Tri-State that Wrestling was, Umbrella. Was, Jesus Christ. That was Todd's office. Carver W. I'm Reed. I'm not saying it wasn't Todd's office. Well, there you go. Me. You feel I, have I didn't ignore you. I had nothing. I n- that's okay. not the case. Moving on. All right, take Bob a back. Ortiz, Todd Gordon. Bob Ortiz toward God. <laughs> Todd Gordon. They a little bit, little bit. They end up hiring Larry Winters to be ECW's first booker. So you're probably asking yourself, who in the fuck is Larry Winters? He's a good guy. Larry Winters was a local wrestler in Philadelphia. He worked for Joel. He was very loyal to the promotion. He and Todd had a good relationship. They four went with Larry Winters to be the first booker. Then they needed somebody to do production in ECW, so they went ahead and hired Steve Truitt. Steve's main jobs were to do sound, production, make sure every the cues were right, the lighting, all of that jazz. Uh, do you remember anything about Larry Winters or Steve Truitt? No, I remember Larry passed away a couple years ago. He wasn't that old either. Very sorry to hear that. Yeah. That's a bummer. That, that kind of brings down the whole story time with Mike Freeland. Um, rest in peace. Uh, so basically what Todd wanted to do differently from Joel was spend less money, use more local guys, smaller venues, uh, occasionally bring in a star. But the interesting thing was that I picked up from chapter two is I didn't personally think that as much as Todd wanted to do this, I don't know if Todd, Todd was very green when it came to all this. Like, I don't know how much experience he had as far as dealing with wrestlers or the wrestling industry. At least that's the image that I'm given when I'm reading the book. So instead of using convention halls, which Joel used, he decided to go ahead and start using Mike Schmidt sports bar. So that only held about 250 people, but it looked better on a production standpoint because if you have 250 people in a smaller room, you've got that vibe, you've got that intensity, it's a lot more intimate, and it's going to look better instead of doing some of these bigger halls that that Joel had. Having wrestled all over the place, would you agree with you enjoyed working maybe in a smaller venue where fans were closer and it was a lot more of an intimate setting? Absolutely. I would take the Elks, Elks Lodge in Queens, you know, a thousand people, eight eight fifty to a thousand, in there, and have them rabid, loving everything really into it, as opposed to working in the the fucking Fargo Dome for WCW, in in half the building being tarped off, the two upper levels being curtained off, and just looking like shit, a fucking this big giant cavernous building with. 5,000 people in it. And I think it's the perception that really is part of the production as well. And do you think it affects the wrestlers or do you think the wrestlers just go out and do their thing regardless if there's 20 people or 10,000 people? How much of that affects the psychology of the performer? 
I think it affects them. I, I don't think nobody look, nobody likes to go out there in front of a half empty building. You know what I mean? I agree. I'm not saying anybody's gonna phone it in because there's less people there. You know, it it just feels better to be out there in a, a full building. You know, you sold it out, everybody's there to see you. Right. Open up a good show as opposed to, you know, half empty. It's kinda of, kinda of like, uh, great. Well, at this time, uh, there's a couple guys on the indie scene that were uh, really tearing it down, really knocking them out of the park, having some great matches. And those two guys were named Jerry Lynn and Sean Waltman. And when I believe it was Larry Winters who came up to Todd and said, hey, these two guys are tearing it up. They're awesome. We should at least bring them in for a show. We could get them. I can get in contact with them. A quote from Todd Gordon was regarding Sean Waltman, that skinny guy will never sell tickets. Now, as I was reading this, I was trying to maybe justify the comments of Todd Gordon. And I was trying to think back and think, well, it's the Northeast. As you had mentioned many times, it's a land of the giants, yada, yada, yada. Maybe these people don't even really know who these guys are, which, I mean, you don't want to insult wrestling fans' intelligence. I'm sure they knew who these guys were. They're big deals on the indie scene. Why wouldn't you bring these guys in? Like, in my opinion, that was a big mistake on Todd's part. Can you rationalize Todd's logic for not wanting to bring in somebody like that? Or do you think, well, at the time, it was probably not that big of a deal to not bring him in? I think at the time, if Todd was going to spend money to bring somebody in, it was going to be a star in the business. I think if he's going to use Sean and Jerry, if they were local, I think he would have used them. But we talk about flying him in. I don't think Sean would have been that expensive, though, at that time. But you still have to fly him in. True. You know, fly him in, put him up in a hotel. So you're saying if you were going to bring in a single star, like he wanted to bring in, who did he want to bring in? Uh, the Red Rooster. Well, I didn't say that'd be Ta- good either. Terry Taylor. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that thought process doesn't make any sense to me either. At least if you're bringing in Jerry and Sean, they could have a few. I mean, Todd was bringing in some former well-known established guys. I get that from the WWF. Right. I mean, he did bring in Tito Santana, which didn't work out at all. But he's going on name recognition. But I'm just thinking, bring these two guys in. You could start something with them that could carry over into multiple shows. People think that this match was hot. They want to come back and see the rematch. Just my thought process. Anyway. Your thought process is correct. What's that? Your thought process is correct. Okay. But you also have to take into consideration, this is 1991. 1992? Yeah. Yes. So completely different mentality, completely different business than it is now. I respect that. And and in the the Northeast, right? Traditionally speaking back then, if you're going to draw a house, you're going to bring in a former WWE guy. And up here it was Bundy, Tito Santana, Jimmy Snuka, you know, Road Warrior Hawk. You know, those are the guys you're going to get up here. And everybody else you got that was going to have just matches would be local. That was just a mentality. That's just how it was. I mean – well, no, and, and and that's the one aspect that I lack. I don't have that 
that experience, that understanding of what the time frame and the thought process among bookers was. I'm looking at it 30 years down the road and how I would do it then or do it now, I should say. So, And also the indie scene back then was 100% local. For the most part, you had no idea unless you were like super smart and super into the insides of the business. You had no idea what was happening in Minnesota. You had no idea what was happening in, you know, Texas. You know, unless it was something that would be in the magazine. Do you think that's why Penguin? Now, the boys would hear stuff. The, bo- the, the boys would hear things. Okay. All these, guys, all these two guys are fucking tearing up. But for the most part, the fans had no idea. You know, NDC was not a big thing. You didn't have the internet back then. So to have a guy like Joey Ryan getting over on the indies, it's not something you'd know. Unless they featured him in a magazine. You know, you might see his name, you know, in the results, if you read the results, all different areas in the country. But just a, it's just a different game. Do you think, and I mean, like I said, this is hindsight, but do you think at the time it might have been a good idea to talk to some of the wrestling writers and to at least be able to use them as your quote-unquote internet and be able to say, hey, you know, who are you guys watching? Who's been doing a really good job? What are some of the fans' reactions? And then try to gauge that when you're putting a show together? Yeah, you could have. But you, you could also just read their, you know, Melter and Wade Keller. You could, you could actually just read their newsletter. Right. And they would talk about the guys who were kind of doing something. It's just interesting to look at some of these things here because, I mean, once again, Sean Waltman became a big deal not too many years later. He was a big deal in DX, big deal in NWO, WWE Hall of Famer, et cetera, et cetera. Jerry Lynn, probably one of the most emulated guys as far as match style, groundbreaker, innovator, the whole nine yards. I mean, we could go on and on and on about it, but it's, it is what it is. But going with Bill Apter, Bill Apter said that he believed, and this is his opinion, Todd Gordon's mentality was more of the 70s and 80s style of wrestling See? that really a- appealed to him. Well, that's what I was going about to say. So your point is completely correct. Mine is not. Um, so that was, his, that was his thought process. Your point, and, your, your and, point is correct, Mike, in 2019. Exactly. I just have to be able to put myself back in that time, in that moment, and unfortunately, I can't. So I guess – You're not missing much. I don't have 1.21 gigawatts to go back. Um, but in 92, Rock and <laughs> uh, in 92, Rock and Rebel, John, Johnny Hotbody, Tony Stetson, and uh, how do you pronounce Sal's last name? I continue pr- to pronounce that wrong. Sal who? Bo- is it Balemo? Balomo. Salvatore Balomo. <laughs> he did the mule kick. Okay. Yeah. Well, so did Goldberg, and that's what ended Brett's career. So – that was what was going on at the time. So you want to know? You want to hear? You want to hear a story about Sal Balomo? We're sitting in the locker room, and this girl walks by, and she had a little hair on her arms. And he said, "Oh, hairy arm mean hairy pussy." I said, "Okay." He goes, "I like that." I'm like, "Okay, I'm happy for you." He goes, "I like, I like it a little bit when it smells." I said, "Okay, I gotta go." Nice talking. Nice talking to you. Oh, my. Moving on. Oh, my. Wow. Man. Just when you think you're, you're, you're striking up a conversation, they, they take it down the, the wrong road. Oof. You brought them up. I just figured I would share the story. Boy. Well, everyone has their own tastes, and Sal likes his a little on the tart side. If it smells like fish, eat all you wish. <laughs> it smells like cologne, leave it alone. What, is he Catholic? I guess. 
Only on Friday. <laughs> oh, God. ECW ends up getting an opportunity to be on TV, which is great. Um, Philadelphia Network uh, Prism is going to go ahead and they have a TV spot. They're looking for somebody to fill it. And Eastern Championship Wrestling goes ahead and does uh, a pilot episode, and their very first announcer introduced. And and it's funny when you talk about ECW, you know, a lot of people only think of Joey Styles, and that's that's so not the case because when you really look into this and you read this, there were a lot of people. It was a rotating table. So you had Dick Graham. I'm sure you're familiar with Dick Graham. Mm-hmm. He he called WWF matches when they were um, in Philadelphia, local guy. The then you had Bob Smith. Correct. Correct. Philadelphia Spectrum. You had Bob Smith, who was with Wrestling Illustrated Magazine. Obviously, those guys didn't work. They brought in a guy named Stevie Wonderful. Any memories or any recollection of Stevie Wonderful? He was a white guy who could see. Oh, man. Wow. What? No sunglasses? No, because then you think he's blind. True. Um, Evidently. <laughs> Stevie Wonderful uh, didn't quite work out, and we're kind of jumping down the storyline a little bit, but Paul Heyman ended up coming out. Why, and, why didn't he work? Um, well, he originally wanted to be a manager, and things weren't quite that. I, I don't know the specific details, but he was not cutting it. And when Paul was there, Paul realized Stevie just couldn't get the job done, and Paul went out and – it was a work, but fired Stevie and then took over the announcing. Do you have any information as to why Stevie didn't work out? I heard he had a very uh, tragic injury. Well, that's terrible. Did you hear, did you hear what happened? I, I have not. I must have missed that. What, what exactly happened to Stevie Wonderful? Well. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> he was home sometime. And he was waiting for a phone call from Todd Gordon. So it ring, ring, ah! He uh, answered the iron. Suffered a very tragic uh, injury. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sure you got this story from Bill Apter, right? Well, he was blind. Steve, was I understand. Blind. I understand the concept of being blind. That's terrible. Answered the iron. Only you. So Paul work well, fires they, they, him. They found it, they found it to be distracting too when he was filming TV. Tried to do the ring announcing. Yeah, he just shake his head left okay. and right, trying to find the microphone. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> Much like his brother Stevie Wonder. Right. I think they became a tag team at one point. They might have. Ebony and Ivory. Um. So. <laughs> So Paul Heyman ended up firing him, took over announcing. Um, but obviously, since we're going down the timeline a little bit, um, Paul wasn't going to be the one who was going to become the commentator. It was a man who was actually an intern at PWI at the time, Joey Styles. So did you see the main event in Philadelphia at that first ECW show with TV, Stevie Wonderful? I did not. Neither did he. Oh, Jesus Christ. Moving on. Joey Styles. Uh, he, yes, Joey Styles got pegged as being the announcer. You know what Joey Styles' real last name was? What was that, Mikey? Styles. Very good. Eastern Championship Wrestling started to adopt a little bit different of a philosophy. 
You think what? What do you mean I think what? Oh, I thought you were about to say something. I said something. You ignored me, so it's fine. Moving on. Eastern Championship Wrestling and Todd Gordon decided to try to do a little bit of a one-upsmanship. Can you top this? And it started to get a little bit more violent in nature. So when we move on to our our next chapter, we're going to be going into some uh, relationships that uh, started with a guy over in Japan named Onita and his relationship with Terry Funk. And all oh, that kind God of stuff. Oh, damn it, you motherfucker. I swear to God, Onita. I don't near Onita. You're a goddamn knife. Well, I want to ask you, I want to, I want to ask you this question. Have you heard Der- Terry Funk's album in Japan? I have not heard his, no, I did not. I didn't know he made an album in Japan. He's got the greatest song ever. She's got Barbara Streisand's nose. <laughs> oh, my God. I did not Barbara hear that. Strikes I did not know that. That's fantastic. Well, I'm really enlightening the fuck out of you today. You are. You are You are educating me beyond my wildest expectations for this program. That's right. Mm-hmm. Full of surprises. When I wanted to talk to you about this this week was becoming hardcore. And what was your opinion of hardcore when obviously ECW started to become that was kind of their whole mantra. And I know you said before that they had their wrestlers, they had their brawlers, you know, everybody kind of fit into a certain niche. Um, it doesn't seem like there was a lot of crossing over between the different genres within you guys in the locker room. What is Mikey Whipwreck's definition of hardcore wrestling? My definition of hardcore wrestling is two guys or four guys or however many guys are out there going out there, performing to their absolute limit, Physically, mentally, giving the people the best show they possibly can every night. That, to me, is hardcore wrestling. And that has nothing to do with necessarily not having rules or using weapons or no disqualification, no countout, none of that, correct? Right. Now, that's what it evolved okay. into. So it's, it's, well, are you happy with the way that it evolved? Let me ask you that. Because from your definition, that seems to be a lot more traditional style opinion of what wrestling is and what has always been. How did we get to this crazy, zany, blood gore, people, you know, shanking each other and toasters? How did we get to that point? Um, we just hit on a niche that is that fucking word again, twice in one week. That was not um, popular or overexposed. In the U.S. 
And we just took it and got it on television. Really all there was well, for to some it. people who may not necessarily be familiar about this, hardcore wrestling as not as Mikey defines it, but is is defined by I would say a majority of wrestling fans is more of the blood, more of the extreme violence, more of the weapons, a lot more of a shock factor. So how did that get introduced into Western culture here in the United States? Well, Onita, who was actually the first graduate of Giant Baba's Dojo, and Giant Baba, who created All Japan Pro Wrestling, which was a counterpoint to New Japan Pro Wrestling, was kind of the guy who was groundbreaking in that genre, if that's how we want to describe it as. And he was actually inspired by Terry Funk. And basically, Terry Funk and Onita were kind of the early pioneers of that whole genre. And then, obviously, when Onita came over and spent time with Funk at his ranch, when Baba fired him, uh, that's how they went down to Memphis. And let me ask you this, Mikey. Do you remember back, I guess, late 80s, early 90s, in the South, meaning, you know, the Nashville area, maybe Georgia, Alabama, you, you know, those states, it was a little bit more violent, if you will, as opposed to the Northeast? Yes. Definitely more violent than up here. I mean, you'd have occasional later on, you had Cactus and Eddie Gilbert doing stuff up here. I think you even had Larry Winters, and I want to say DC Drake, up here. In the early nineties, doing some stuff. Well, it was just interesting. It was just interesting because you know when a lot of people say, "Well, well, how in the hell did ECW become extreme?" Well, first of all, that was just a marketing thing that Paul came up with. It did not necessarily. I don't think it was necessarily, from what I'm understanding, Paul's intention of being blood and gore and weapons and all that kind of stuff. I think that just kind of evolved organically and just happened to fit perfectly with the advertising of the product. Would you agree with that? Paul knew in the summer of 94 that extreme was going to be a new buzzword. He called it. With the X Games and things like that, just extreme was going to be a thing in like 94, 95. And Paul's always had a very good finger on pop culture. So he had a good pulse on it. He just knew and that's what he went with. When people started bringing weapons and whatnot into ECW, and was that something that was allowed? Was that something that was promoted for, for fans to do in the ECW arena, do you remember? Or was that one of those situations like, you know, just like a sign, if someone wants to bring something in, so be it? I think so. They might have done a fans bring the weapons match a couple of times, but I don't know when that actually started. They just sort of bring in... Frying pans and street signs and crutches and baseball bats and everything. Yeah, I don't know where that started. I was looking at – well, and I've been trying to research that, and I've been trying to find out, you know, why did people start bringing frying pans and Nintendos and microwaves and kitchen sinks because I remember seeing that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You fell victim of that Nintendo, didn't you? Hard way, motherfucker. Um, I remember vividly Tommy Dreamer, I believe it was with Raven, he took a VCR and 
cracked him over the head with a VCR. And then I guess somebody in the audience realized they still had it on them, tossed him the remote. And then he uh, went ahead and hit him with the remote as well, I guess, just for good measure. But you know, yeah. if that happened, you know what happened today if they did that? They would take the, the remote and they'd have, they'd have Raven start like walking backwards. Like he's pressing the rewind button. That's true. Or like that the pause is, button. That's what would happen now. That is true. Wow. Never thought about it in that perspective. But yeah, they would. They would take it to another little literal perspective. What was your take on it? I mean, did you did you ever get the feeling that during these matches, when you would watch other people go out there, shit, I gotta I gotta do something. I, you know, if I got a guy in the ring, I got to go out there and find something. Or did you not necessarily feel obligated to use the weapons or was it such a overwhelming sentiment that you needed to do that, that you did it because it appeased the fans? No, I never really used it. You never felt any pressure? Nope. It wasn't my thing. That's my point, though. You were a traditional-style wrestler, but did you ever get the pressure of maybe I should take it up another notch? Maybe I should change it up a little bit? No, only when the situation called for it. Like when I was doing stuff with the Sandman and the stick, and we had, like, that ladder match. But for the most part, I just did what I did. Looking back on the whole concept of fans bringing in weapons and whatnot, do you think that ended up being a good thing or do you end up thinking that it, you know, overall it was more on the performers and not so much the, you know, items that were being used. It was more of the storytelling. Oh well, yeah, it was more of the storytelling, how you use the objects, but it gave the fans to be part of the show. And I think that's one thing you guys tapped into was they were part of the show as where in other promotions, everyone was just a spectator either screaming, cheering, clapping, or eating their popcorn. Right. Just interesting. Just didn't like know in what other, your take in was. In the other companies, fans wanted to get their signs on TV. For us, fans, fans wanted to get their weapons on TV. So they could point out to their friends, hey, that was my frying pan. Or that was my Nintendo. That was my dildo. <laughs> was a dildo actually used... As a, as a weapon that was brought to the ECW arena? Oh, I don't know if it was used before or after. I don't know. Oh, my. Wow. The chainsaw. People bring chainsaws in. All kinds I, of shit. I, I just... I, they and, would get and, confiscated at the door. Well, that that's my whole point. That's my whole point. At what point do you think, in your opinion... Did it become, okay, you're bringing this, but now, okay, this is too far. Like, was there, was there a, a gauge between frying pan, okay, microwave, okay, kitchen sink, okay, but chainsaw, not okay? Yeah, Ronnie at Atlas Security, he, was pretty, he would confiscate everything, and then he'd bring everything to the back that didn't make it through the fan uh, entrance. So anything that the fans didn't keep. Would people have a chance to get their stuff back? No. Oh, but they would bring it back in case we wanted to use it. Like, if we wanted to use the chainsaw, that's fine. I see. But we were not going to allow a fan to bring a chainsaw Absolutely into the not. building. Right. right. A performer knows what they're doing. A fan could be completely out of their mind, drunk, and could have an accident and kill somebody. Right. 
I also was I also wanted to ask you about this, not necessarily just about the weapons, but the guardrails as you were coming out from the back to go to the ring. Mm-hmm. I noticed a lot of people that the entryway was very narrow, so people were leaning over there and, and touching the the wrestlers a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess my question is this. Did, did anybody ever feel uncomfortable? Because we've heard stories in Puerto Rico where people could get stabbed or hit or whatever. And we've heard Bobby Heenan have stories of just fans being too close to the point where anything could happen. Did you ever ever cross your mind like, eh, man, you need to move these these rails back a little further so we're not within an arm reach of somebody? Oh, I thought all the time. I just didn't want people touching me. Right. <laughs> but did you also think about it from a safety perspective like – Shit, this is probably not the best idea here to have people who are leaning over and you know grabbing your shirt or because uh, Raven got grabbed a ton of times. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, mm, I don't know about all that. Being a babyface, I didn't really have to worry about it too much. More pats on the back, if anything. Yeah, I wasn't worried about the. And some people, man, they get excited and they're slapping you on the back. Jesus Christ! <laughs> they lighten up, you stiff prick. <laughs> You're supposed to like me here, right? Yeah, but they would. They would get. They, sometimes they would just get excited. You know, just pat you on the shoulder. It's like, oh, right. Then you get to both sides. Then you get you know, like in the back of the neck, and like, okay, enough of this. <laughs> um. All right, so I need you to 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 reveal something here for me. Staple gun. Is it really discharging a staple in someone's face? It can. Yes. Is you it ever normally? see you ever see when they staple gun a dollar bill to somebody? I did. Yeah, I mean, that's just... So that's, that's obviously real. Yep. They can't just have it empty and just click it and make it sound like it, and then somebody just roll around. Well, they've like done that, they too. But, it, if, and then... but they've done that, too. But if you want to prove that it's real, you have to, you know... Right. Stick the bills in there. Jesus criminy. Fuck. Ugh. Now, you never engaged in any of that stuff, staple gun stuff, did you? No. No. Not the real, like... I Had you ever been... Just the noise of the staple gun. Exactly. Not. And you roll around, and you can go ahead and nick yourself real quick and right. make it look good. Did you ever have any issues with tax? Did you have anything like that? or Yeah, they suck. I was about to say. But you always wrestle with a shirt on. Did the shirt help a little bit? No. It, just, it, it, it made him come out easy. Right. Just flick your shirt oh, and it Ugh. But the shirt, a t-shirt, is not going to stop them from going into you. Oh, absolutely not. I just didn't know if in some way, shape, or form it was different than taking it straight into the flesh. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I said they just come out easier. You beep, obviously, beep, 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 beep. you obviously were, were were backstage, obviously after all the shows, you know, all the way up until the end. And what was what was some of the gruesomest stuff that you would see people come back with just Sabu. after their match? Sabu. With his fucking bicep. Are we talking out. about his bicep? Yes. Yeah. Nasty. That was fucking nasty. That was like the worst one. Now he did end up eventually going to the hospital for that, right? I believe so. Taz Jeez. had a nasty one on his shin. Getting out of the ring. Okay. He bashed on the side rail of the ring. Had a huge massive gash in his fucking shin. Right oh, to the God. bone. <sighs> or that kid Kareem that broke his ankle. Came out like Abdul the Butcher, broke his ankle. No, it broke his leg, not his ankle. But you just heard it fucking snap. Uh Yeah. Nasty. A lot of people talk about how easily... And, 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 and the worst part about Kareem, 
He fucking supposed to do a movie. He felt uncomfortable. I, I guess Sam had changed it on him or whatever. But he went to the top, fucked it up, landed on his leg, snapped his, slapped his leg. Now he's fucking laying there on the mat. And Sandman makes his comeback. Now Sandman is fucking whacking the kid in the leg with the stick. Yo. Oh, <laughs> oh God. And he has no idea. Oh, he probably knew. That the leg was snapped and he's still wailing on him? Oh, I fucking in the boot. What are you going to do? It's already broken. Show goes on, right? Yeah. But he was so, he was, he couldn't even get out of the ring. That's how much fucking pain he was in. Wow. Yeah. What I was going to say is we all know how legendary Ric Flair bleeds. So was there ever a night, obviously, with Cactus or when you, so when you were with Cactus, obviously it did step up a little bit as far as Mikey as a singles versus Mikey as a tag team with Cactus. Is that correct? Correct. So was Cactus the type of person who just kind of brought you along and said, hey, this is kind of the way we're going to go now. We're going to be a little bit more extreme. Or was Cactus mainly concerned about doing it with himself? And I didn't even have to. Do like, I just, I just knew. You came with the territory. Well, I was looking forward to it. I was a huge fucking mark for Cactus. Still am. Okay. And, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be cool. <laughs> I get to do some shit now. I get to get color for the first time. Shit the bed. When you when you got color for the first time, obviously you did it to yourself. Well, attempted. Were you hesit? Were, were you hesitant? No, I was all ready to go. I was ready. Okay. And it was with Johnny Grunge, and he was going to DDT me on a chair, and I would get color. Okay. So I go. I take my blade out. So I got my blade in my hand. I'm ready to take the DDT. And I wanted to make the DDT look really good. Mm-hmm. So I took the DDT. I hit my nose. Ooh. So my eyes started tearing. Like I couldn't see. I said, but I dropped the blade. Oh, shit. So when I picked up the blade, right? Uh-huh. And Grunge told me, go and pull across my head. Right. Well, I push and go across my head. But because I dropped the blade and picked it up, I had the blade backwards. Oh my God! So the sharp part was in your fingers. The the no, smooth no, no. part was on your head. But no, the, the sharp the, it was on my head. But I didn't have the blade part. Like you know, you okay. have like a knife. That's kind of your blade is shape. Ah, uh, I right? see what you're saying. So it's like pulling a knife using the back end. Oh, so I'm just getting scrape, 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 and I go nothing. So I do scrape, 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 I do scrape, scrape, scrape. So I had big three long big scrapes across my forehead, and couldn't get anything. And I felt like, oh, I felt so fucking bad. Like, I'm like, oh, this could have been good. It would have been good color. I was ready to go. I was amped. So it would have been like, I took like 38 aspirin <laughs> that day. You know, I want my blood to be really thin. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be good to go. And I got nothing. So we get back in the Were they cool room. about it? Or? Cactus goes, Mikey, what happened? <laughs> I said, ah, I just could I like, I just couldn't, like, I dropped, I couldn't. Mikey, let me see. So I get in the blade. He goes, Touch my head. There it is. In the back. <laughs> now I'm bleeding. He goes, Mikey, like that. It's very simple. <laughs> so there's a, there's a picture. If there's a picture of it somewhere, there's like, there's like blood coming down my head, but my whole face right. is not like, it was after the match. So you think it was after a match, there'd be blood like all over my face? No, there's right. like a line of blood just coming down my face where, where Cactus actually gigged me right before the picture. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'll see if I can find those pictures where there's like scrapes on my forehead. I'll have to ask Mary Kate if she has those. That is insane. Yeah. So then, so 
a month or so later when when Kevin Sullivan came in and we did the angle where you know Cactus teams with Kevin Sullivan from WCW and I told Cactus if Kevin turns on him you know I'm going to kick his ass mm-hmm. so of course Kevin turns on Cactus I hop into the ring hop on Kevin's back Kevin does me to the floor now Kevin told me uh, before the show before the match alright brother so when you're out there cut your head and then try to pop your eardrums. So close your mouth, pinch your nose, and then try to, you know, try to blow your nose with your hand, pinching it shut. Which will, for, which, which will force the blood out of your cut and will kind of help it come a little more, right? Well, because Cactus told Kevin, you know, we tried this a couple months ago. Mikey didn't really <laughs> get anything. <laughs> He'll get it tonight. Don't worry. He'll get it. You got it right, Mikey? I said, I got it, Kevin. Well, as I'm on the ground, so I t- Kevin shoots me to the floor. I get my blade out. And I go to the floor. I turn over like I'm going to start to get color. Right. As I go to get color, Kevin kicks me in the back of the head. What? So the blade goes, go. and I am bleeding now, motherfucker. And blood's like pouring wow. out of my head. And if you look at the tape, I don't know if you still see it now on the network, but if you look at the tape, as Kevin takes me to the floor and he's leaning over the apron, you see him hold his nose. To tell me to blow out the nose out my cut. Wow. Oh, and I got it. I, I remember. I st- it, it would not stop bleeding. Like, I couldn't get it to stop bleeding. And I probably should have stitched up. But I remember I stayed in Paul Lee's room. Because I was riding with him uh, the next morning to go back home to New York. And I fell asleep. And when Paul woke me up, I woke up and my head was stuck to the pillow. So I lift my head up off the off the bed, and this pillow's like attached to my head. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and of course, as soon as I pulled the pillow off my cut, it started bleeding again. Holy shit! Yeah. I'll, so see think, if, I'll see if I can find those pictures. I was going to say, do you think you you said you should have gotten stitches? Oh yeah, I still if, I still got the scar that goes up my head. So if everybody looks at me closely, it's a scar that kind of goes up instead of the old side to side. Mm-hmm. That's from good old, good old Kevin. But I, I got I color. I have a picture here. If you, I think I have one of the pictures you were talking about. I'm going to have to post this on social media as well, but I'm going to send this to you right now, and you can confirm if this is it or if this just happens to be one of the pictures of you uh, bleeding. Do you know anybody back in ECW at the time who – didn't want to use any weapons or was against bleeding anybody who you remember who just said, I, I would rather not. Uh, Dean Maleko. Now was that, well, he obviously was not in that group of brawlers, right? So you wouldn't have the Dean Malenko's or the Chris Benoit's or who else They're, They wouldn't be the ones that would bleed. But the public right. enemies would bleed, Sabu would bleed, Terry Funk would bleed, Sandman would bleed, Raven, Tommy, you, yeah. Cactus. Mm-hmm. So. Most everybody would if it was necessary. I think even Taz did. Right. Wow. Yeah, that picture. Yep. See how the blood is like, it looks brand new? It does. Like if that's it, smudged on my face? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he just went, I go, oh, look at that. And he's very proud of his work right there in that picture. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. 
That is an iconic picture right there. That's awesome. You, because you can tell that it wasn't like during a match where it's all like smudged and like dried right. on my face. Yeah, no, it's, it's like perfect. It's right. <laughs> it almost looks fake. But it definitely was not friends. Nope, there it was. Wow. And your big buddy right there, <laughs> just proud as all hell <laughs> yeah. of his work. I showed Jeez. him how to. I showed him how to do it right. Smile, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's it. Anything else you got for this week? No, not really. No? You're good? Same shit. I just got to try to find that picture of yes. my, my scraped forehead. If you have that, definitely post that to social media. I think people would like that. I'll see if I can find it. Guys, if you're digging what we're doing, you know I do this whole spiel every single time. Hey. Go, go ahead to iTunes and leave us a review. We appreciate that. I love... And Mikey and Jerry love seeing these reviews and, and letting us know what you like about the show, what you'd like to hear about the show. She Obviously, had this week. Barbara Streisand's nose. I wanted to talk about the weapons and what was permitted in the ECW arena. So now you guys have a little bit of insight on what was, what things were confiscated, what Atlas Security did, and some really cool stories. So, by all means, let us know what you're thinking. Go ahead and follow Mikey and Jerry also on Twitter. You can follow Mikey Whipwreck at Mikey Whipwreck underscore. You can follow Jerry Lynn at It's Jerry Lynn. Follow the show at FRM Pod, and of course, if you'd like to follow me, you can follow me altogether one word at Mike Freeland. That is going to do it. One E for my steam broadcast colleagues, Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. Jerry's on assignment doing AEW stuff. It's me and Mikey holding it down this week. We will catch you next time on Front Row Material. See ya. The world of NLW Radio never stops. 